Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Raw Show with Michael McDonald, another very special guest. We have Julie Lewin joining me today. Julie, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much, Michael, for inviting me. So Julie describes herself as a medical intuitive, but I thought we would actually hear from yourself, Julie, to go into a bit more detail on what that is and what that entails. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, a medical intuitive is somebody who feels the energy of another person and they can feel where there's energy blocks, where there's things are not going so well from a health perspective. I, I think medical intuitives work differently. I don't think everyone works exactly the same way. Um, I have been doing this work for 33 years and when I started, the, the term medical intuitive wasn't even, those two words weren't put together. And uh, how that all started was um, I was only 25. I had a seven-month-old baby and my friend came to visit and she could see that I wasn't travelling very well and that my marriage was a bit rocky. And she said, Julie, you're going to have this clairvoyant reading. I said, I don't think so. To me, that was like saying I had a date with the devil. It just yeah. was not in my realm of possibilities. And she said, no, you're going. I said, oh, no, I can't go. I have no money. She said, I'm, I'm paying. I said, oh, no, I, I'm a mother. I have a seven-month-old baby. I have to look after my baby. She said, I'll look after the baby. You're going. I said, I, I can't get there. My car's not working. I will drive you. So she obliterated all of my objections. Yeah. And so I went and um, it was an hour's reading and this man was an aura reader. Now, for a 25-year-old, someone in their 50s was very old and... Um, so I was a bit frightened about what he would say and we went into this room and and he had a light shining and he started telling me these things and so I'm going to condense a half an hour into a, a couple of sentences. He said, if you keep going the way you're going, your marriage will fail, you will remarry quickly, that marriage will fail, you'll be very unhappy, have very few happy times in your life, You'll be very ill in your 30s and 40s and die at 53. So that was a half an hour condensed. And then he said, but you have another destiny if you choose. You have a nun and a monk there with you. And he said, if you choose that alternate destiny, your marriage will survive and we'll be married within 35 years now. He said, you will overcome the illnesses in your 30s and 40s. You will have many happy moments in your life. You will live into your 90s and you'll be of great benefit to the world because you have a gift of x-ray vision and you can see inside of people's bodies. And I said, well, how do I do that? He said, I'm just the messenger. He said, yeah. you've got to figure that out. So I went away and that one hour changed my life profoundly so I thought oh well maybe I need to study to be a naturopath and I did some study and then I got pregnant with 
baby number two and didn't feel very good. So I couldn't do the exams. I was so unwell. And so I gave that away after I had baby number two. And I just used to lie in bed at night and say, all right, if you want me to do this, show me how. And then I started seeing visions. And then I thought maybe if I travel inside of the body of the friend that got me to go, maybe I'll see something in there. And um, I could see an embryo pulsing. So I rang her up and I said, oh, my God, you're pregnant. She said, um, no, I'm not. I said, yes, yes, I can see it. I'm travelling through your body and I can see it. She said, no, I'm not pregnant. And then six weeks later, she rang and said, how did you know I was pregnant? <laughs> and so that was the beginning of me getting a little bit of confidence that maybe I could see inside of people's bodies. And I just would practice on anyone who would let me travel through their body. And I just imagined that I was doing it. I, I don't know that I knew what I was doing, but I just followed my intuition and and took note of what I saw. And then my dad came to visit and he said, I said, Dad, I can see inside of your body. All right, okay. He was very sceptical. <laughs> and um, so he went and lay in one room. I lay in another room and I travelled through and I saw a few different things. So in the morning he said, well, what did you see? And I said, well, I saw this in your esophagus and it looked like this grotesque octopus hanging off your esophagus he just looked at me he said that's how the doctors described my hiatus hernia i said dad i didn't know you had one of those and then i kept saying some other things that i did know about and then i said what about behind your right knee he said how did you know about that not even your mother knows about that that happened in the war I said, Dad, I'm just sharing with you what I saw. So he gave me some confidence that maybe I was travelling inside of his body. And so that night he asked me to go in again. And so I went in and it was there was all this white stuff in his esophagus and I thought, oh, I'm just making this up. I don't know what I'm doing. And I lost my confidence. So in the morning he said, well, what did you see? I said, oh, Dad, I don't think I'm really doing it. I think it was a fluke. And he said, what did you see? I said, there was all this white stuff. And so I just painted it up your esophagus and everything calmed down. And he said, I took some white medicine before I went and lay down. I didn't know. So that was a really big moment for me that maybe I am actually seeing inside the body. And that gave me the confidence to work with other people. And then my mum rang me and said, Julie, there's this girl in Australia who does something like you do. And she's on this TV show called The Extraordinary. You should have a look. So I did. And I thought, hmm, so maybe I do something extraordinary as well. So I rang the producer. And ultimately, they sent a film crew to film me telling people in another city what was wrong with them. So they had a film crew in my room and a film crew in their room and they 
filmed our conversation and um, it was quite remarkable. And my phone started ringing. I was in the white pages and my phone started ringing on the Sunday morning before it went to air because there was an article in the newspaper and it did not stop ringing. And there was two episodes in 1994 and then two episodes in 1996 where they tested me on camera talking to uh, some people in America. So I was doing it across the other side of the globe and that was remarkable as well. So those episodes are actually on my website so people can go and watch those episodes. Um, and they're quite interesting. So my work developed on from there. Um, I thought that I needed to work with everyone who asked me. I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't have any teachers. I didn't know that I needed to conserve my energy for me as well. And so I ended up very unwell and was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2000. And by this stage, I'd gone out of the phone book because I was getting bombarded from all around the world. It sold to 22 countries in the world. And so it took me a few years to recover from that. And a friend of mine said, Julie, could you come and work with my friend? He's not very well. I said, Sue, how would he even know about me? She said, oh... I might have showed him the video from the Extraordinary TV show and he said that, yes, he would like to work with you. So that started me on doing this work again for the public and I haven't stopped. Um, so I built a website in 2006 and started doing videos and had a radio show in America and people just seemed to find me and I helped them. So that's kind of a condensed version of the last 33 years. And then I started being able to only see inside of people's bodies. And then I thought, I need to help these people as well. So I asked to be guided to help them. So over the years, I've developed over 100 healing, I call them templates, where I teach people how to heal their body themselves. And I, I, if you can imagine in the old days before digital, mm -hmm. we used to put a camera, uh, a, a film in the camera, we'd take some photos, we'd take the film out, we'd send it to the developer, they'd create the negative, then from the negative they created the photograph. So I look at the human body as the photograph and the negative is like our metaphysical body or our holographic body. And so one doesn't exist without the other. Now, in the physical body, I can't put my finger through my leg because of the laws that operate in the physical realm. But in the metaphysical body, where our body is like a holograph, I can do things in there that are not bound by the universal laws in our physical body. So I've worked out a way where I can teach people to work in their metaphysical body 
and bridge the the gap like bridge those two realms or worlds and have the healing actually impact in the physical body for example i had a lady come a couple of years ago and she was so crippled with arthritis that she couldn't close her hands she couldn't hold her cutleries she couldn't hold her coffee cup with one hand she oh, wow. found it difficult to get out of bed she couldn't do, wash the dishes because she couldn't hold anything she came and stayed with me for two days and i held her hands i worked emotionally with her i worked spiritually with her and in those two days we melted all of the arthritis and her hands became like a young woman's hands again wow and i taught her how to maintain that by doing different things with her body two years later she still had perfect hands but just recently i found out from her husband that the arthritis has come back but she had a a challenge in her life and i think that she may have stopped doing the exercises that i asked her to do i don't know i haven't spoken personally but for two years her hands were perfect and she had she could use her hands just like you and i so that's just one example another another lady came on retreat i run retreats so they're just amazing i teach people in intimate groups how to heal themselves and i said to her or said to the group does anyone have a scar that is causing a problem and when she was 10 she had sliced the first knuckle on her first finger and damaged it so she couldn't actually bend that finger all the way down to her hand she could just bend it a little bit and i said okay i want you to hold your hand and do this exercise or this template which takes 2 minutes and then let's see what happens and she could bend her finger all the way down to her hand so i'm not even doing the healing these days i teach my clients how to do that and she just messaged me recently and said julie my finger still bends all the way down so we are remarkable healing machines it's just a matter of knowing what to do and that's what i teach people nowadays and um i'm pretty excited about the fact that people can heal themselves when they know how it seems that we we've got so much that we can talk about and having a, a very rare situation whereby you've been doing this for more than 30 years now there's, mm-hmm. there's so much that there's so much that you've probably seen develop over the years or mm-hmm. I'll have to say this for a while but over the last couple of decades is yeah. um i guess the way that we describe what happens the way that we communicate what goes on what the effect is on ourselves mm-hmm. how do we talk about it with other people how do mm-hmm. you explain it to people that are skeptic i know i'm a a very very self diagnosed skeptic 
but mm. having the ability to talk about it in such a way that resonates with different people like you you mentioned like i'm um, seeing inside other people's bodies now people listen to this that their eyes will probably roll right they're, they're probably yeah. like oh here we go again because yeah. i have had you know, you're not the first person to, to talk about things like vibrations and the um mm. the metaphysical side of things and epigenetics and quantum physics and we have had the odd guest on that mentions these they're almost like buzzwords they're almost like mm. words that people tend to use to describe certain things now to to people that haven't really got much of a clue <laughs> on, yeah. what, on, on what these sorts of things do or what these words mean, it can be very, very difficult to describe it to someone without a particular language that they can, you know, kind of mutually agree on certain things or people start talking past each other because they're using different language. This is the type of situation, this is the type of... Um, circumstance that is very very difficult to actually get across in the right way it's very difficult to actually put your point across in a way that the other person understands so I've got a lot that I can talk about I think the first thing that really stuck out to me was what changed when you went from offline with your family and your friends and things of that nature to then taking it online because in the back of my mind it's like well surely that's different surely there's a different dynamic going on because you're actually in front of the person so there is this element of you can't quite connect in the same way and all of those sorts of complications can come about but what's the difference between offline and online that's an amazing question michael because i had to change everything that I did so when people would come to me I would just put my hands on them and just keep chatting to them and my hands would heat up and I'd say oh could you just tell me when my hands stop when they they cool down because I can't feel it and they'd say oh your hands have cooled down now so I just put my hands somewhere else and then they'd heat up and then we just keep chatting and that's how I did it. Sometimes I would see like a movie rolling in my mind and I'd follow the movie and I'd go, wow, that's interesting. And those movies that I would see turned into my techniques because I would do the same movie on another person and I'd get the same result. So that it... it when you've worked so long in an area, it evolves. So when I went from offline to online, and I needed to because I moved from the city to a dinky little town with about 10,000 people in um, southeast Queensland, and I needed to be able to create the same impact that I had when I put my hands on people, So what I started doing was describing to my client what the movie was and get them to do the movie on themselves. So would you like me to give you an example of that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's worth going into a little bit of detail on that before we dive into the the language and the things that we probably use to describe these sorts of things. So yeah, start with the, the, the example first. Okay, so for example, what I found was that people, um, when they have a scar, the scar goes tight and sometimes that can inhibit your movement. So what I would do is get my client to put their, and, and anyone listening to this can do this if they've got a scar that's tight. Put your hand on the part of the body that's got the scar and then take three deep breaths, one at a time, obviously, and gently release. So you suck your abdomen in on the in-breath and just let your abdomen out on the out-breath. So you've done three deep breaths. And then imagine in space 20 hamburger buns stacked on top of each other. No meat patties, just the hamburger buns. And then turn the top hamburger bun into a hot dog bun. And then turn the next one into a hot dog bun and put it vertically underneath. So do that with all of them and you end up with a long string of hot dog buns. And then imagine that you're at the top of the first hot dog bun and you tap a magic wand and emerald green light comes through the long string of hot dog buns. And when it comes out the bottom, you go back up the top tap again and bright white light comes all the way down through the string of hot dog buns. And then there's an alchemical flash and you're back in your body and in the room. Now, when we do that, that scar softens and it appears that it blends back into the physical body. And people say to me, oh, my God, I can't even feel it now. I, can't, I can barely see that scar. So when you get hundreds and hundreds of people saying the same thing, then you kind of get the idea that it is making a difference. And people with adhesions in their abdomen or after surgery, they couldn't bear to have their abdomen touched. They do that technique and they can put their whole fist into their abdomen because there's no pain. So they're the sorts of things that I started developing and teaching people. Awesome. Did you have a particular... A particular way that you would describe what you do, because there is there is this element of language being the the main barrier. So again, I, you, don't, you don't really have to imagine this because I'm a I'm definitely one of those skeptic people of pretty much anything, I guess. And you know you're always skeptical when you first start. You know you're always like, well, does yeah. it work? You, you probably get that with everything until you understand what goes on and what happens so you can pretend that you're talking to, to someone else but realistically you could probably use me as your as your yeah. as well if someone was skeptical what what would you actually say to them to because you can you can mention things like the the abdomen case and the, the idea behind the relieving the scars and, and things like that but it's it's hard for people to understand that what you did was the thing that did it like your, your, your technique was the thing that 
that cured it because I mean I, I'm not saying that's me but I'm saying that there are a lot of people out there go oh well that was just as simple as this this and the other thing and they use their own use their own like cause and effect like mechanism to try and justify what actually help that person you know that they use oh well it wasn't epigenetics or it wasn't quantum physics it was this that and the other thing instead and they sort of use their own thinking to to back up what happened yeah they did they did actually use their own they use their own thinking to create the change so my work is creative visualization and spontaneous visualization but it's specific creative visualization. And when I work with someone, I work specifically with something that's going on for them and they get their evidence. Now, whether it was my specific technique or just simply their mind, it doesn't matter because they created the shift, they created the change. So my work is all about inspiring people to have the faith that they can create shift in their body themselves. And I don't get sceptics coming to me. I get people that are desperate and they, they're looking for hope that they can do something to improve their life. And so I actually don't feel that I need to defend myself or justify what I do. And if somebody says, well, I don't believe you or I don't think that will work for me, I just go, well, that's fine. It's, it's not the job of somebody like me to prove to a sceptic or to convince a sceptic that what I say can happen will happen because oftentimes a sceptic is determined not to be convinced anyway. So um, I invite people to have the experience for themselves to see if they have the ability to focus their mind themselves on their own body and create change. Yeah, I would would completely agree with that because obviously you can... You can do the the best service that you can. You can provide this this skill or this art or whatever the whatever terminology that you would probably call it, and the, and they would still like try to to justify it by other means. They would still think that it's something else other than you doing what it is that you do. And it's it's kind of like um, I, I talked to. To, to a few people regarding like um, religion and things and it kind of works the same way is that it because a lot of people that I talk to tend to be Christians and it's like well it, even if God did reappear or Jesus did reappear we probably think it was something else we probably think that it wasn't real or whatever the case is so we almost like even if the genuine thing did happen in front of you because of the lens that you're seeing it through you're always going to think it's something that you think it is you're always going to think that it's what you think it is which is kind of makes sense i guess but do you have people come in that 
have to see it before they believe it? They have to experience it before they believe it? Or do you get some people come in that go, okay, this is it. I know this works, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. What are the, what's the, the mix of, of people like that you work with? Well, before I work with somebody, I have a conversation with them. And I describe to them how I work which is that I scan the body, I get a blueprint of what I feel is going on. We have a conversation about that. And then I take them inside their own body and I guide them to heal themselves. And some people will say, I'd love to work with you. That's what I'm looking for. And other people say, you know what? That's not what I'm looking for. And I'm perfectly fine with either. And then when I start working with them in a session, I like to get them to have an experience of evidence that they are creating the shift in their body. I don't claim ownership of doing something to them. I will teach them how to do it themselves. I'd rather teach a man how to fish than feed him a feed of fish. If I teach my clients how to heal themselves, then they can keep doing that for the rest of their lives. If I do that for them, then they've had it for one experience. And then, then they'll come back again. Because I can't control their thoughts and their actions. And the thoughts and actions of any individual is what actually impacts on their body. So I'd rather say, well, how about if you look at this this way and you do this particular visualisation each day and then you can keep whatever the healing is that you've done current and you will live a, a, a healthier, more fruitful life depending on what's going on how much of this would you say was based on like a placebo rather than than something else so i'm only asking this because it we, we seem to have a running theme where the people that, that come to see you tend to either believe in what it is that you do or don't really need much in the way of convincing that this this helps you know like if after the have this conversation they tend to be one way or the other so you never really get people that are open-minded at that point they're either convinced that it will help them or or they're not at least from from what you've said but how much of it is is a placebo because it's it's so hard to to actually pinpoint what actually happens and I mean you, you get this with everything but with every um, strain of thought out there people that believe it more strongly probably benefit from it the most is it, is it the same is it the same with what you do or is it a bit more to it um okay so I worked with a woman on Sunday night who was so in, in so much pain in her hips that she could barely walk. And I said, would you like me to help you with that? And she said, yes. So I told her what to do. And two minutes later, her eyes were boggling out of her head 
And she said, I can't believe that, Julie. I have no pain in my right hip. And I said, do you have pain in your left hip still? She said, yes. I said, we'll do the same thing on that side. And she said, I have no pain in my hips. And then when she woke up in the morning, I said, do you have any pain in your hips? She said, no. And I slept really well. So at the end of the day, she said, but I'm sceptical. I'm waiting for it to come back. Mm. I don't know if it's come back because I didn't talk to her today. But mm. she received the evidence that if she did A and B, she would get C. I didn't do anything. I just told her what to do. So she was in pain. She could barely walk. She had tears in her eyes. I said, do this. And then she had no pain in her body and she slept without drugs or pain relief. So is it a placebo? Doesn't matter is my response. If you can do something that doesn't require a pain relief or medical intervention, it doesn't matter if it's placebo or you're doing energy work or whatever you want to call it. If you can create shift in your body with your own mind and your own actions, then to me, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it, it does at least come across to me that it is about the actual results that you're getting. It, it doesn't, doesn't really matter whether it's, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to describe. Like it, it doesn't matter if people believe in it or not. If the results speak for themselves, it doesn't really matter if if you're skeptical or not because the results speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's there's definitely um, like a, a kind of different side of the coin where it says, well, if people are skeptical and they're still getting the benefits from it then there must be something to it. It seems like there must be something out there that actually helps people do this. Like you don't really do it yourself. You teach people how to do it, but it probably means that you've got like, um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say blueprint, but you've probably got like a, a tick list of, okay, if it's in this part of the body, then we'd probably do this. If it's this type of pain, if they describe it as a sharp pain, we might do it this way. Or if it's mm-hmm. more of a, a dull ache, we might do this instead. Have you got like a, a tick list inside your head? So when they reel off what what's going wrong for them, so to speak, or what pain they've got or whatever the case is, then you're able to sort of say, ah, that means that you need this. I, I do have, um, I do recognise symptoms and I do recognise um, when they say things to me, I can see the pattern of previous people that I've worked with. But what generally happens is, I see a movie starting to roll in my mind, just like going to the movie theatre and we watch the big screen and we see the movie unfold. I see a movie rolling in my mind that shows me what I need to get them to do. So I then describe that to them and say, can you do this? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? Okay, can you do this now? And I facilitate it. I I basically, yes, I do have some specific things like if somebody is nauseous 
or they're anxious, I have a particular process that I get them to do. If they have pain in their bones, then I have a particular process. So I call that my metaphysical body language. And then, yes, there are specific things that I get them to do. And if that doesn't work, then I try something else. All right. So if, if I give you a, <clears throat> a bit of an example then, so does it work with like the, the mental side of things as well? So if someone was, because a, a big thing with people that run their own businesses tend to be overthinking or procrastination, that, that, that sort of thing. So do you have, have something for those kinds of situations as well? Yeah, I do actually, because if you're in your head and you're overthinking, um, it means that you're not grounded. And when you're not grounded means you're not fully present in your body. I actually get my clients to go and walk barefoot on the earth for 15 minutes. And if you're overthinking and procrastinating, then often what I find is that you're not taking enough time for yourself. So you're using the procrastination to go and do anything else but that thing that you are saying to yourself, I need to do. And look, I do it myself. When I started my academy last year, I got so far along and I just couldn't finish it because I wanted to be painting. And so I said to myself, I was holding myself to ransom and I was saying, okay, Julie, when you finish that module, you're allowed to paint. But all I wanted to do was paint. So I couldn't motivate myself to finish that module. And I would be cleaning the cupboards out. I was going and visiting people. I was phoning friends. I was doing anything but finishing the module. Yeah. So in the end, I just said, right, I'm not working this weekend. I'm painting. I painted three paintings on the weekend. And guess what? Monday and Tuesday, I finished my module. So I actually did that thing for myself first, and then I was able to do the work. So I would say to people who are procrastinating that you need to actually reward yourself first. Do that thing that you really need to do to relax get grounded, get in your body, and then you'll be able to do what you want to do. So for someone that's, that is listening, they might think, well, surely that's just giving in to a certain extent. Like if you're telling yourself, well, I would rather pet in and talk to people and read through the cupboards and, and draw rather than do this module, there are people that actually don't listen to that. And there are people that will like try to push through it and still try and do the module. And then there are people that are doing the sort of thing that you mentioned, which is <clears throat> sometimes you've got to do that first. Sometimes you've got to, mm. to almost give in, I guess, to the procrastination and, and then you're then able to go ahead and do the thing that you feel that you need to do. So how, how, how does that fit in with what we've just spoken about in terms of the, the metaphysical side of things? So um, in terms of 
to get something done and to do it really well, we need to be in flow. And that's, a, that's another buzzword that's flying around the bridges at the moment. Mm -hmm. We need to, what I find is if I force myself to do something and I strategize and I try to basically fit a square peg in a round hole, it doesn't work for me. Now, there's other people that that works for. But if, if I'm procrastinating about something, for me, energetically, something's not fitting. Something's not right for me. So I can only speak for me, but I work with clients. I do business mentoring with them. And I say, if you're procrastinating, get in your body, get grounded and do something for yourself. Now, cleaning out the cupboards is not doing something for myself. That's me procrastinating. So it's about learning what your procrastination actions are as opposed to doing something for yourself that is refilling your vessel, refilling your energy reservoir as such so that you feel the joy and the excitement and the, the you know, that sense of achievement when you do that thing as an entrepreneur um, you, you, you absolutely have to have balance. And what I find, because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and what happens is they entrepreneur seven days a week and often 12 hours a day and they've got no life. So it's about finding the balance and actually having a life as well as having their business. And one of the, the key ways of doing that I've found is to walk barefoot on the earth, go for a walk, get out into nature, do something away from your business. And when you go away from your business, you actually start downloading ideas that are going to give you the breakthrough that you're looking for. And then you can get back into your business and it happens really quickly. Right, so there is a difference then between the things that you do that, that fill you up and the things that you do just for the sake of it almost, like you mentioned. Exactly. Going through the cupboards is kind of like doing things just, just to do things, but then going out for a walk or maybe just reading or listening to some mm -hmm. music or whatever the case mm -hmm. is, that those tend to go down the road of things that make you feel better in yourself so then you can do the thing that you've been putting off. How do you distinguish exactly. between the two? Well, one is I know that that's actually gifting myself. I would not say cleaning out the cupboards is gifting myself. I would say that that's me avoiding. So you, you, everyone needs to identify their avoidance strategy. And for me, I go for a walk. And I take photos on my walk of flowers or, or unusual things that I see. And that connects me back into my body. So that is me having pleasure. So I, I know what gives me pleasure and I know what my avoidance strategies are. 
And so it's a, you have to get to know who, who you are. You have to become conscious of, of who you are and what you do and what your patterns are. And that, you know, that's a daily, monthly, yearly thing about getting to know who you are. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would completely agree with that because we do have our like um, go-tos almost. Like we've got things that we always seem to do when we're putting something off. We always have something that we always seem to do when we're in a, like a, a good place. So when we are productive, we seem to do X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. you're right, it does tend to show up in, in patterns and things that we just always seem to do. Because despite how much we try and fight it, we are creatures of habit, aren't we? Like we always, we always revert back to, to our training, so to speak, and the things that we know work. Which is, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it, it's kind of our, our running theme, I guess. Everything from how do you explain things to a skeptic about what you do and how to have those sorts of things. But if, if they're trained a particular way and they're, they're wired a particular way, then it can make things that little bit more difficult. In what? In explaining stuff to people? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just from just from what we've, we've said. Like, if, if someone's always had this experience whereby things have to be like seen or felt or whatever and then they believe them you know like someone has to experience it before they're then prepared to believe it but anything that they've not experienced they 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 don't believe because of that reason it's going to be hard for them to to grasp a, a few of the concepts that we've spoken about but it's, it's, it all comes back to what you said before. Like we are, we are wired a particular way, and that's right. Yes, absolutely. It's just a completely different way of doing things. Yeah, and everyone has their own unique way because of their filters and because of their their previous experiences that lead them to their decisions and and how they see the world everyone sees the world differently yeah for sure all right well i mean i've i really enjoyed talking to you i mean i've know i've been asking maybe four questions and we've managed to to take up the hour but um is, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with before we dive into the last couple of questions so these can be this this question tends to be where we want to not leave any stone unturned. So if there's any concept that maybe you want to, to go over again or something that you feel that's relevant but we haven't had a chance to cover, this is your moment to, to share that. Okay, so I guess what I would like to share with your listeners and, and I gather that a lot of them are entrepreneurs is that... As an entrepreneur, we're building a business, so we have to imagine it before we create it. And we keep moving along that way. We have a dream of building something and then we bring it down into the physical realm. It's the same with healing our bodies. We dream it or imagine it and then we bring it down into the physical realm. So 
I guess that the last thing that I would say is believe it and you'll see it by famous words by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Believe it and you'll see it. Last couple of questions for you then, uh, Julie. And mm -hmm. I thought we would be sort of do a, a more of a quick fire round, so to speak. So mm -hmm. you got any books or, or resources that you'd recommend for our listeners? Do you know, I really like the Celestine Prophecy series by James Redfield. Um, the concepts in there are really inspirational in terms of the insights that help us to know ourselves better and to um, tap into maybe more of our inherent intuition and, and gifts to manifest. I really like those books um, and I'm, I've actually started recommending them to my, my business clients just to look at the the concepts and see whether they're experiencing them or whether they would like to experience them. All right. Last, last couple of questions, but before we, we get to that, if someone wants to find out a bit more about you and what you've got going on, this is a chance to share links or websites or social media and, and all those sorts of things. Absolutely. So go to my website, julielewin.com. And um, Instagram is at Medical Intuitive Julie Lewin. Facebook, my Facebook page is Medical Intuitive Julie Lewin. Uh, on my website, there's everything in the nav bar. So just go and check it out. There's videos, there's um, training, there's interviews. You'll find a lot on there. You mentioned having the um, the TV show episodes up on there as well, didn't you, yep. before? They're under the nav bar that says videos, so they can go to my website and see those videos. All right, sounds good. Well, last question for you, Julie, and uh, it's what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Oh, gosh, Michael, <laughs> what would I like the world to know? Um... I believe I walk my talk. So if I share something with somebody, it's because I've done it myself. All right. That sounds like a very, very <clears throat> short and sharp way to end, Julie. Well, thanks for being a, a guest on the show. I really appreciate you carving out the time, and I'm, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Okay. Thank you, Michael.